The fury of the violence illustrates the folly of war. It is time to put armed conflict on lockdown and focus together on the true fight of our lives. Dear listener, we find ourselves amidst a true global crisis. Our interconnectivity is more apparent than ever. Nothing seems what it once was. Now is the time to radically realize a world which holds violence and conflict and stops excluding women and youth. As space continue to breathe, peace builders worldwide continue to work on a more peaceful world for tomorrow. This season is all about the peace builders making this needed change possible. Listen to their inspiring stories and reimagine this new reality with us. Welcome to the Peace Corner podcast, brought to you by GPAC, UNOI Peace Builders, CSPPS, and Past Peace. Welcome, everyone. Welcome to today's episode of the Peace Corner podcast. Today, we'd like to kick off discussing the current pandemic we all find ourselves in and the many ways in which it is affecting us, but especially peace builders around the globe. With us for this episode is a special guest, Mr. Marius Cargbo, a national coordinator from the Young Leaders of Sierra Leone. Thanks so much for being with us, and it's a pleasure to have you. Thanks for having me. As you might be aware, we are very interested in how local peace builders have also become frontline workers and first responders in this global struggle against COVID-19. And we really appreciate the chance to get some better perspective from individuals like yourself. So to begin with our first question, I'd just like to ask, where did your passion for peace building come from? And what is your story and and how did you get to where you are now? Started um, when I was in Sierra Leone when I was in my childhood days, I mean, by then, I was um, in my age 10. Of course, uh, let me just give you a brief background about Sierra Leone. Sierra Leone is um, in West Africa, located in West Africa. And uh, Sierra Leone has been going through a lot of things. You know, we have gone through um, civil war. We are in a lot of lives. Well, we lost a lot of lives. I mean, and most of the people that suffered the lot are women and children. You know, and then by then, I was a child coming out, going to school. And then I've seen... You know, because um, as, as a little boy, I've seen some aspects or also benchmarks of, of the war. So as a result of this, I decided to give my life or give my time into peace building. That's how it all started. Um, it started with the Children Forum Network. I mean, the first ever children's advocacy organization in the country. I, I served there in several um, positions and then ended, ended up to be the media scribe. By then, I was being like the, um, the spokesperson and then the public relations officer for the Children's Forum Network. That is where it all started, and uh, for now I'm um, I'm working on several issues as I'm serving as the current um, president and global leader of the um, Young Leaders of Sierra Leone, and also working for Africa Young Voices. We are doing mediated content, promoting peace, the peace culture, trying to maintain peace and stability in Sierra Leone. So so far, this is where where I am at the moment. Okay, great. That's that's really interesting, and and you've touched on it a little bit um, regarding the situation in West Africa and and the civil war that you've you've grown up seeing them. Could you describe some of the factors that are relevant to the conflict in, in Sierra Leone today, um, such as the role of, of adequate water or sanitation that might play into this conflict? Yes. You know, um, one of the things that, um, let me just digress a little bit because of you're talking about water, sanitation and all, you know, these are all issues uh, well together. These are all issues that um, actually um, pioneer the war in the country because a lot of things that have been happening. But after the war, people... People, I mean, children that have been exposed to the war have now become like some of them being a violent youth. They always trying to perpetrate violence in, in several issues whenever they have the opportunity to do short things. But 
you know, um, there is one thing, there is one positive thing that the civil war, you know, um, this, this, the civil war led to my country because, for instance, um, there is this awareness, there is this awareness that is, is something like a, it's been like a national thing. People are always trying to maintain peace and stability because we're, we're going through a brutal, I mean, a brutal civil war. We are in, um, it's happened for the first time in Africa. I don't know if it's also in the world. We are in, um, we have people that have their hands being mutilated, you know, uh, they chop off their hands. Pregnant women, um, pregnant women, you know, um, during the war, we also see in the process where in, um, they have to split their belly without an anesthetic, take out the baby. You know, all these dreadful things that some of us exposed to during the war. You know, as a result of this, we are all trying to maintain the peace. Even though we might have our political instability, we might have our political um, differences, but we're trying to focus on creating the peace because we don't want to go where we came from. So that's, these are some of the issues, these are some of the, um, the impact um, we, are, um, we are having as a legacy because of the, the war that we went through. Thank you for sharing some of those um, serious issues that, that appear to be playing out in, in Sierra Leone um, and, and how those affect peace building overall and, and how that remains at the center. Could you um, just tell us a little bit further in what ways uh, the COVID-19 pandemic is affecting all of this in Sierra Leone? and and are these triggers of conflict exacerbated during this time? How is this all affecting uh, your peace building work? Um, of course, um, you know, this COVID-19 is a global thing. You know, um, personally, I was in China when it all started, you know, um, because I was doing so like a brief study here in China. Because of, because of this, I have to return to Sierra Leone, um, join my team, see what we can do um, to spread the message. I mean, you know, in Africa, most people, especially the poor, they normally don't believe in certain things. They will say, oh, this is just politics, for political reason. They have this, they're not, this negligence, you know. We're trying, as young people and um, young leaders' organization, we're trying to see what we can do. And what we can do, what, what we've been doing is that we've been taking up the, um, the mantle of leadership by sensitizing public, going to um, places, the rural community, trying to explain to people, doing skits, drama dramatize just to let them know and then let them believe that this thing is really, really serious and uh, it's real because um, we have, we've been hit seriously by the, the, um, the past Ebola epidemic in Sierra Leone because we lost thousands of Sierra Leoneans and we don't want to shut them to repeat itself again. Now, now coming to your question, how this affects um, our work? You know, um, we've been doing a lot of things, a lot of projects. Um, we've been doing, we're working on the Girl Child Education Project working on um, peace and stability projects, a lot of things. Because of the, this um, pandemic, everything has to be on hold, except we have to divert all of our efforts into the COVID-19, trying to be meaningful, because there are a lot of things, you know, there are a lot of limitations, a lockdown, social distancing. You have, you have to work from home. All these are some, some, some limitations, you know, and it's actually affecting our work. And also, uh, in, at large, it's affecting the economic of my country because a lot of things have been put on a lot of projects, government projects as well. So um, as a result of this, this COVID-19. And um, you had briefly mentioned um, some of the, the similarities with the Ebola crisis that uh, West Africa has, has faced um, previously in, in 2016. Could you speak to some of the uh, lessons learned or possible um, uh, best practices that we can take away from the Ebola crisis into the coronavirus? 
Yes, um, of course. Um, you know, the Ebola virus serves as an eye opener for us here in West African countries because the Ebola virus, because of it was new by then, most people maybe um, the, this um, the virus then is the first um, epidemic that's actually hit Sagalon in that serious nature. You know, we have in like last of year, but it's just few. You know, a lot of things that's about the Ebola virus. It's really really struck Sagalon. You know. And uh, because of that, it serves as an eye opener. Now we used to the hand washing, no shake hands. You have to wash your hands frequently. Now um, people also used to like um, this quarantine process, although it's different because for Ebola, um, you have to be very very sick before the virus can transfer to someone. Unlike coronavirus, you are going to be very very well, active, and then you are transmitting the virus to another person. You know, so that is why um, at the moment, government is trying to limit. Um, Public gathering and all, and then try to maintain social distance. But um, the awareness Ebola raised here is that we we exposed to quarantine, and then of course we know that we should wash in, um, frequently wash our hands, and then we expose to like um, inform uh, inform government or the public official that, for instance, if you are you are sick, you need to, you need to um, go frequently um, for treatment. You need to go to treatment rather than initially one of the one of the issue that really really um, was a problem for Ebola because um, you know in Africa we have these. Um, traditional healers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 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 we have these traditional healers. So some people, they don't like to go to the hospital, you know, to um, receive straight Western medicine, Westernization medicine. They believe in, they believe um, they go through African healers who have to, they go through the abs or whatever. And, and that was the process uh, of spreading Ebola in my country because, you know, um, this virus thing, once, once so long you church um, passing and then it's also going to transfer, transfer or transmit the disease. So as a result of that, Ebola was like all over the place because um, this um, the herbalists they are curing people with Ebola, and um, then also again people have been always um, going to bury their dead. We don't know if this uh, he or she a person died because of Ebola or whatever, but because of all those awareness, you know that's why I said initially the the Ebola serve as an eye opener for us. That is why at the moment in my country we have like a limited. Uh, I think we are. Um, from yesterday, uh, yesterday, because I'm, I'm here to check today, yesterday we have only about 19 or no, 20 people that's only dead from coronavirus, and people are recovering rapidly because we have uh, we have seen what Ebola did to us, and 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 we've already registered those people say this thing is real, it's not politics. Um, this is uh, this is a global pandemic, so we need to stay safe, um, maintain the precaution, keep social distance, um, no more public gathering, we don't go to funeral. You understand, and then if someone died from home, you have to report um, to the public authorities. You call government, say this people, this person died from home. At least let government come and perform the actual ritual, like um, do, do, do the actual process before doing the bear, the burying. So at the moment, that is what happening in my country. Thank you. And it seems like um, a lot of that has to do with access to information and and appropriate um, or proper hand washing techniques and the like. Could you tell us a little bit about um, what your organization um, does to help uh, spread the correct information about the coronavirus and the uh, right ways to respond? Um, as I said initially, I actually came from China and I've seen it all. I came, I came um, to Sierra Leone before we have um, the maiden case of coronavirus in Sierra Leone. I came from China and then I gave myself up for quarantine. And then. Then after that, I I told my colleague 
say, you know what, this thing is very serious and I've seen how it has ravaged countries that have uh, a proper established quality health system than our country. So what we should do, we should um, try to go on the preventive measures. And then we've decided to engage into massive campaign. You know, and luckily I'm, I'm working with a media institution and I have a media, I have a media communication background. So we develop messages that we've been going through throughout the country, synthesizes people about um, the seriousness of this pandemic. And washing techniques, we, um, uh, fortunately for us, we develop a system in my, my country. We, are in, we no longer use to use um, hand washing buckets. We have the press pedal. We are in, you, you, can, you cannot just step on the pedal for soup to come out, and then you step on another pedal for water to come out. Because um, it was risky before, because everyone is coming um, to uh, t- like try to open the tap for water to come out. You don't know we are that person might have come from your stand and then use his hand to open. So that is why uh, we we um, we've been doing communicating to the people. You understand the right the right messages. Um, we you, you know what we did again is that when whenever we are going to community, we have to target uh, tribal heads because in in my country we have um, local chiefs and also we target their tribal heads and then um, then we we ask them at least to tell them about the information about about the seriousness of this coronavirus because um uh, it's common if I use your people if I use your people to talk to your people definitely they will understand you better than me. So that's what we are doing. You know, we are doing uh, melodrama, video messages. As, as, I, as I'm saying, at the moment, things are getting better. People are always um, trying to maintain social distance. The only thing that we have an issue with um, is, is a lot of poverty and hunger because most people, they actually rely on their day-to-day business for them to survive. So some of them are trying at least not to stay at home, trying to do go out to find their daily survival, that's that is that is the challenge at the moment, and that's a very very big challenge in my country. I see. I think that challenge is is playing out globally, um, as well as in Sierra Leone, and and I appreciate you touching on some of the innovative ways that um those uh newly designed uh, faucets and and taps use your feet rather than your your hands to um exactly. ensure exactly. proper hygiene. And I think before you had mentioned briefly um about uh how you're working with young people um, and how youth are, are so crucial in this process towards achieving peace. Um, do you do you see this applying to, to their role in responding to COVID-19 as well? I know that you said that you're working with Africa Young Voices Media Empire and have access to um, communications and, and media. Do you see that um, supporting uh, an appropriate COVID-19 response and, and a role for youth in that? Yes. Yeah, you know, it's... You know, because of um, AYV is uh, uh, media empire, we've been able to reach throughout um, the country because through their channel, you know, it's like serving as the national broadcaster. They have all throughout the country, you know. So because of them, we've been able to do like sensitization, awareness raising, and even social mobilization, and community engagement. You know, most of the time we actually try to do it online, and then we use AYV empire. Um, every empire um, forum across the country. For instance, they have they have like a, like a studio in, in the north, in the south, and also in the western area of the country. So we we, we direct our, our our information and communication to them, you know, and also and also again, and then we have team that have been moving around, and but we are moving around with the procedure 
set aside by the government because we don't want to we want to have life. Uh, we just have to stay safe. In as much as we are doing our job, uh, at least we're trying. Um, what we do is that we we have like um, we cut down our our our, our labor force. We like um, we try um, to limit the number, so at least to limit the contact. You understand? Then we try to stay together most of the time. We try to see what we can do, just because of uh, we need to raise the, the awareness, as I was saying, and then try to do like a lot of social mobilization, community engagement to the right channel and to the set aside government procedure, like um, the, the number that um, the, the number the, the number that government is, is system on social gathering, and then and, and then also again we've been using the um, the media to disseminate our information because most people are also connected to the media in my country. All right, that's um, very interesting. Thank you for sharing. Um, I think uh, before we wrap up, I'd, I'd just like to ask you um, one more question. Um, do you have a takeaway message or an inspiring story you have seen in the responses of peace builders to COVID-19? Yes, I think, um, let me start locally in my country. You know, um, in my country, we engage ourselves, the Young Leaders Network, and then we're planning on working on it. We started now and we're going to continue after COVID-19. Uh, um, this is like we are saying, this is we want to, uh, in local language, we say we, the salon we want to see, meaning um, the salon that we want to see. We are preparing our mindset, we're preparing everything, we're, we're putting all what we have, the good thing we have together to make salon a better place for each and everyone. We are in, because we have a lot of political tension, political disagreement. So instead of us um, selling political ideologies or whatever, we are preaching nationalism of our country you understand so um that's um that that that, that way again to globally globally what what i'm trying to say is that um this is the time for us uh, peace builders to go um to the drawing board get to strategize and get strategies or policies that's that, that are going to really, really benefit the world you know that let's say we we'll call it like the world we want to see it's like like a world fit for all a world fit the world fit everyone children men and women and you understand so that, 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 that's, that's what i'm trying to say is that we need to raise strategy and put things in place to have a better to have a, um, to have a better world for us all thank you for that that optimistic take and i i do agree with you that um now even though there is so much tragedy that there is uh the possibility for opportunity and to build a, a better world for us all um from here so I'd just like to thank you again for taking the time to share your experiences and speak with us today on such timely and necessary peacebuilding efforts. It's always so inspiring to hear how creative and innovative activists and peacebuilders can be even in the face of, of so much adversity. So I hope you and all your loved ones continue to stay safe and we will conclude our Peace Corner podcast for this week and we hope you join us again soon. Okay, thank you very much. Thank you very much. Thanks for listening to the Peace Corner podcast. We amplify the voices that pursue a sustainable peace, especially now in the face of a pandemic. Keep reimagining a better world with us. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, or wherever you might be listening.